So in some ways, I, I think, uh, you know, Miguel Andujar and Glaber Torres, I think I'm kind of mimicking uh, their path. That there is New York Yankees ESPN beat reporter Coley Harvey, who spent an hour with me breaking down just about every angle of the 2019 Yankees and what fans can expect in the upcoming season. Hey everyone, Benjamin Block here, and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of Block's Corner. Coley is entering his second year as a Yankees beat reporter, and like the talent-filled, youthful, and energetic team he covers, he brings that viewpoint to his ESPN column and to this conversation with me. And now, without further delay, here's Coley and I in full. There's a ton of storylines this spring, a lot of big storylines. It's amazing what has changed, honestly, just from a year ago. But before we get into all that, this is your second go-around as the Yankees beat writer for ESPN, your second spring training, albeit a much different experience, I'm sure. How has it been for you so far? Um, it's been uh, it's been an unbelievable uh, spring to this point, and it has been definitely different uh, than last year. You know, last year I, I kind of came into this basically getting handed the job, I would say, about a week and a half before spring training. So Is that right? So, uh, yes. So it was kind of like a, a fire hose pretty much all season, but definitely uh, definitely when I came down uh, down here to Tampa uh, at the start of February last year and then going through – uh, obviously March and then getting into the season. So it was, uh, it was, it was a whirlwind um, this year, uh, not quite as, as much of a whirlwind. Certainly uh, there are things that I know to do now there, you know, I, I know the people now that I didn't necessarily know uh, this time a year ago. Um, you know, it's just a, a lot more comfortable uh, for me right now. And I, I would argue that, uh, you know, that even for, uh, some of the those younger Yankees, you know, it seems like they're a lot more comfortable too. I'm thinking about people like Miguel Andujar. I'm thinking of Gleyber Torres. You know, uh, obviously they came into last year expecting that they could contribute, but I think they didn't necessarily know uh, how big their contributions would have been. And so the fact that they really, um, uh, you know, kind of took on uh, so much responsibility and, and, and everything last year, I think that's definitely going to help them as they move forward into year two for them as well. So uh, so in some ways, I, I think, uh, you know, Miguel Andujar and Glaber Torres, I think I'm kind of mimicking uh, their path right now. <laughs> That's that's fair. Yeah, you guys all did kind of come up together, and <laughs> it's it's kind of remarkable how how it hasn't been that long of a time, and Glaber Torres had to fight to win second base last year, and really, he's the only position. If you think about it, second base is the only secure spot in the entire Yankees infield, which is a good segue into what we should talk about first is the competition at first base. You have mm -hmm. Greg Bird, who has honestly soured on a majority of the Yankees fan base, but the guy's hitting like 500 for the spring. 
His ankle injury from 2018 seems to be well behind him. He's put on 20 pounds. He looks good, but he has looked good in the spring before. And then you also have Luke Voigt when he's not slamming a, a sledgehammer against tires, yeah. which seems to <laughs> drive fans crazy in a good way on social media. He's carrying his own weight as well. So what are you what are you seeing from that competition at first base? You're there firsthand. Yeah, this is um this is gonna be a really good one. It, it's it's one of those things where I'm. I'm definitely very into it right now. I'm very, uh, you know, uh, very intrigued by where this race is going at this stage. But I'm really going to be uh, excited to see where this thing shakes out by the time we get to the end of March. Because, you know, as you mentioned, you know, there have been past springs where, where Greg Bird has performed well. Um, you know, and, and this year, honestly, I don't know if it's necessarily that he's performed well. It's just he's really... Uh, he just looks so comfortable, you know. Does he? Uh, yeah, he looks really comfortable. I'll, I'll say the game, uh, you know, that we're we're talking uh, out of today. You know, the the, the game this Sunday that uh, you know that that Bird was part of uh, didn't look quite as comfortable as he's been throughout the spring. But overall, I, I still, you know, I still feel that he's his swing is just fluid. You know, he mm-hmm. even has said that he feels like at times last year he got away from from doing some of the things that he knows his, his swing is capable of doing. He kind of got away from some of those mechanical uh, 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 things that he, that he knows he can do well. Some of the focuses, some of the areas of his body that he focuses on when he swings, he got away from some of that as well last year. And some of that could have just been him compensating for the injury. Uh, I think so. To, yeah. To be honest, you know, but, uh, but just looking at what he has done this spring you know he says hey you know his big focus is continuing to stay behind the ball uh he's going the other way very well it seems like just about every time he's hitting the ball he's hitting it to the opposite field and he's not just hitting it to the opposite field; he's hitting it to the opposite field with authority which you know you pretty much only see luke voigt and uh and aaron judge do in this lineup with with any real success and even john carlos stanton as well to a to a degree um, but that being said, you know, as well as Greg, as well as Greg Bird has played, Luke Voigt has been uh, has been very strong as well, particularly offensively. He's had a couple of home runs. Uh, he's hit the ball very hard. He's 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 pretty much picked up exactly where he left off, and he's trained that way this past offseason to really make sure that he is continuing to to be the the, the player that uh, that Yankees fans uh, came to know at the end of the year last year. It's defensively, however, where uh, where Voight is really trying to make sure he's putting in extra work. That's kind of the the big spot, uh, the big part of his game that just hasn't been very good. That, that's been his weakness. In fact, he told me uh, uh, just a week ago, he said, you know, look, uh, when I was in the minor leagues, I didn't think anything about defense. All I wanted to do was hit. Is that know? right? I was so focused on that. And so now uh, he's realized the importance of defense. And he, you know, in fact, this past offseason, he – he uh, he came down to Tampa in December to uh, work with Carlos Mendoza, the infield instructor, for a couple of days just to make sure he's seeing some of the things he needs to work on. And in fact, he even had video cameras uh, kind of positioned around him on the infield to make sure that he could take back that video when he went back home to St. Louis to say, okay, this is what I need to focus on working on when I'm getting my ground balls, when I'm going through my training. And, uh, and then of course he arrived early uh, here to spring camp. And, and I think that's the big thing for both of those guys, you know, both first basemen, uh, they really ramped up their, their off season work, particularly on the field work, uh, you know, there at the end of January going into February and uh, you know, and, and it showed, you know, that, that extra time down here in Tampa, getting some of that extra, 
defensive work, even getting some of that extra uh, batting cage work. I, I think we're seeing some of the, the, the ramifications of that. I think we're seeing that both both players are coming in so well. And that's part of the reason why this competition has been so good, so intriguing, so interesting uh, early on. Uh, but again, my, my big thing is I'm really interested to see what happens by the time we get to the end of March, uh, where these two will stand. And if the Yankees just kind of have that realization that maybe they should keep both of them on the roster. Yeah, that's the question is, should the Yankees or do you think Boone will decide to carry two first basemen on opening day? I can't remember the last time that's really been a conversation. I mean, you go through the years from Teixeira on down to Tino to Don Mattingly. I mean, the Yankees have been fortunate enough to have a lot of first basemen, quality first basemen, where they haven't had that sort of question mark in camp. But you mentioned Carlos yeah. Mendoza also, which could be the name that Yankee fans should really get to know because he's been working, obviously, with Voight, but also a lot with Andujar. If uh, yeah. you want to go to the other side of the diamond here, he's clearly been focusing on defense. I heard Willie Randolph speak about it during Sunday's broadcast where the Yankees were hitting a plethora of home runs that we'll get to as well. <laughs> uh, it was a home run fest Sunday. But Willie Randolph said something very interesting. He said he himself and Carlos Mendoza had drilled into Andujar to start taking a little bit of that split step hop that you see so many infielders sort of have in their uh, defensive repertoire, you know, as the pitch is being delivered, because he was saying that Andujar had become a little flat footed, which had mm-hmm. been a, a maybe a direct result for some other part of his part of his approach that that sort of lacked, I guess. So yeah, how how good has Mendoza been for Andujar uh, in addition to Voigt? What are you seeing there? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I it's interesting that you say that because both players honestly kind of suffer from the same uh, illness, so to speak, and that <laughs> is that they were. Uh, very flat-footed. Um, it, it's slightly different mechanics uh, uh, to both of them. Uh, for Voigt, it was primarily that he was just upright. Period. You know, he, is he, he had he had a tendency uh, pre-pitch to kind of play upright, and then even when the ball was kind of coming to him, hmm. still kind of being a little more upright than he needed to be. In fact, there was um, I believe it was this past Friday. It was before one of the games recently. Uh, I, I was watching them do some pre-game infield with Voigt, and you could constantly hear Mendoza saying, "Stay." down stay down Luke stay down and he wasn't saying it in a in a negative way it was that's your focus make sure you are focusing on on keeping your your body you know bent at your waist just a reinforcement yeah now for Andujar uh Andujar um the the focus isn't so much on on staying low it's on getting after the ball as soon as as soon as it's hit you know it's it's having that anticipation to be ready for the ball as soon as it's hit to you because you're right you know there were moments where he was flat-footed uh throughout last year and and it seems like now he is being a lot more aggressive with that first step he is a little bit more uh uh he is a little quicker to the ball and that and that's the biggest thing is getting him to the ball a little bit quicker and then also obviously getting the ball out of his glove uh, even quicker than it's been. But I, I think the, the biggest focus for the Yankees is making sure that he's getting to it faster uh, than before because, you know, honestly, they're not trying to change too much with his throwing. Uh, I know Carlos Mendoza said he'd like to see uh, uh, Andujar come over the top, but Andujar has also said, look, um, you know, I'm not going to stop the double clutch. You know, if, if the double clutch feels comfortable on a particular play, and Duhar says he's still going to do that. And, and in fact, I know I've seen that some. I will say uh, in, in Sunday's game, a couple of ground balls that Duhar had early in the game, I believe it was the second inning of that game, uh, he, he did not double clutch. I mean, he, he fielded the ball, you know, good, clean 
uh, 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 scoops on some really tough plays. And he got the ball right out of his glove very, very quickly, very strong throws. And that's exactly what they've been trying to to ingrain in him. And I've seen Willie Randolph out there uh, working with Andujar a lot this spring as well. So I understand now that I hear that that's what, what Willie is saying that they've been working on. I can picture that. I have seen Andujar kind of having a little bit more of that, not hop, mm-hmm. but but that, that, that anticipatory step uh, just as the pitch is coming. And I, I think that's going to be a big difference maker for him uh, this year because Again, it is about making sure you're on your toes, you're on the balls of your feet, and you are ready uh, for that ball that's coming right at you. Because, you know, for for any player, and I think this really goes at any age level, uh, uh, skill level, uh, you know, you do have that tendency to kind of sit back and and get complacent. Oh, the ball's not coming my way. I'm going to kind of take it easy on this pitch. And then, of course, sure. that pitch where there's a ball that's <laughs> rifled towards you. So, um, so it's kind of conditioning and Duhar to make sure that he's doing that uh, all, all throughout the year. And, you know, again, to this point, it seems as if he is, uh, he's, uh, he's taking that advice and, and seems to be doing pretty well with it. Again, we'll see when we get to April and May and June, uh, if, if that advice really is being followed into the season. Yeah, of course. Obviously George Steinbrenner field is a different animal than Yankee stadium in the Bronx and wherever they travel to up here in the majors. But I, I like the word you said, conditioning. I feel like that's a really, that's the key word here because it's my own speculation, but I think especially in Andujar's case and and in any young player's case who has a tremendous amount of athleticism, it's easy to sort of fall flat-footed and, because he knows he has such an amazing arm. And so yeah. to put it together and condition himself, whether it's a, a hop or a first step, whatever it is, in whatever form that comes, to have that sort of anticipation and, and ingrain it in him, like you said, it's good to hear. It's encouraging to hear. Let's step over to shortstop. And I mean, did you see this from Troy Tulowitzki when you heard the news, as as we all did, that he was basically going to be the full-time replacement uh, until Didi comes back from recovering from Tommy John surgery. He's looked... The dexterity at shortstop, the arm strength, obviously the power with the bat. I can't think of really a bad thing to say about him. Not that I'm looking to, but uh, I mean, what are we what are we seeing from this guy here? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I keep thinking. I've thought about this ever since Boone, uh, since Aaron Boone said this. Gosh, I guess it's probably been a week or two now. But um, but he, he used the word Tulowy. That that there was a defensive play that that Troy Tulowitzki had that was very Tulowy. He's a very okay. Tulo like, you know. And, and essentially, what he's saying is, you know. It, we're seeing the athleticism. We're seeing the uh, the agility. We're seeing that that kind of uh, you know backhand dexterity, just the footwork. We're seeing those things that that we saw in the old Tulowitzki. We've seen that uh, early on in, in the spring training. And again, you know, there's still a lot of unknown as far as just exactly how good he's going to be and just how well. Uh, he is going to be fielding his position and, of course, hitting as well and how healthy he will be long term throughout the year. But right now, man, you know, you, you really have to feel uh, if you're a Yankees fan, you got to feel optimistic about what uh, about what Troy Tulowitzki can bring you, uh, especially at least until D.D. Gregorius is able to return. And then at that point, if if Tulo is still healthy and still seems like he can manage a, a pretty hefty load um you know then of course it becomes interesting when gregorius comes back very how quickly do you try to to wean him back into the program or if you're able to at all because you know you you kind of run the risk at that point of 
of what happened with the third base position last year. Of course, you know, Miguel Andujar was performing so well. Brandon Drury had to had to take that time off because of his vision issues and head issues. And, you know, when he came back, of course, Drury was still playing OK. He was hitting very well in the minors when he when he uh, got got healthy again. But the problem was then Duhar was just hitting so well at the major league level, you had no choice but to keep him there. And and I wonder, uh, I don't think obviously that exact scenario will play out at shortstop this year, but I am curious to know what the Yankees would do uh, if Tulowitzki is performing as well as he has been so far. And then, of course, if Gregorius comes back, I think you've got to play Didi, but um, but you've got to go probably in more of a platoon situation. That could be a moment where, you know, we're talking about bringing in two first basemen to start the year. That could be a moment by the end of the year, you've got two shortstops. And, uh, <laughs> and then, of course, you still have Glaber Torres, and you've got DJ, DJ LeMahieu who could go over there at some point as well. Um, so, uh, so really, really interesting problems to have. Yeah. Uh, but for right now, uh, again, like I said, from what I've seen of Troy Tulowitzki, he is – he is looking like the Tulo of old, and, and that's not just with the glove, but that's certainly with the bat, with the pop that he's had with a couple of home runs. All around. Yeah, and you brought up DJ LeMahieu, who the Yankees brought in. Only the Yankees would have a three-time gold glove second baseman who's basically going to sit on the bench or platoon, at least to start. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Leave it to the Yankees to have that sort of scenario, but it will be very interesting. Just last thing on Tulowitzki. How much of this, you're around him and, and you see him in the clubhouse and you, you get the vibes as well as what we're just picking up from from in-game action but how much of his success right now is adrenaline from trying to prove to Toronto and and others that he could still play versus the kind of talent that he has to have on a day-to-day basis well that's a good question I think there's certainly a mix of both uh and I would say probably the the proving aspect of things is probably it probably weighs uh, probably outweighs everything else right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, he has said that his motivation is his five-year-old son who was actually at uh, at the ballpark today. He was in the clubhouse at one point uh, uh, during Sunday's action. Um, and, uh, and you know, like you said, that that's important to him, he, knowing the fact that the last time his son really saw him playing ball was when his son was three years old and doesn't really, you know, remember that, nor really probably will remember that for the rest of his life. It's an interesting that, point. That. Yeah, you know that that well that that has bugged Troy in a, in a way. He says, "Look, I want my son to be able to have these memories of who I am as a player, and so my motivation to get health, or my motivation during the time I was hurt was to get healthy so that I could come back and play for a team and contribute in a big way." And uh, you know, so so I I do think that that chip on his shoulder mentality is probably the biggest part of of what's driving Troy Tulowitzki right now. Now, when we get to say Say if he has a great year this year, you get to next year, whether the Yankees re-sign him or he ends up somewhere else, um, you know, does he still have that kind of well, I want to prove it mentality? You know, that that would be interesting to uh, to to kind of dissect at that time. But definitely, I, I certainly believe this is what's what's pushing him right now. This is what's driving him right now. And um, and, uh, you know, I, will will that adrenaline run out? I don't know. I, I think we're going to probably go through a lot of this year with him still. Uh, still trudging right along. I, I, I don't think that adrenaline will fade, at least just based on what we're seeing. And, um, you know, again, he, he looks healthy. Uh, just, same thing the Yankees have, have told us as far as what they saw in his workouts and everything. That's, that's it, it coming se- to fruition yeah. right now. 
I agree. Yeah, I, I think specifically with Troy Tulowitzki, a lot of his success could really fall under how Aaron Boone chooses to manage him and in, in sort of a collateral kind of way. Because as you remember, we were both there for Thurman Munson Awards dinner where mm-hmm. we saw Boone and, and Didi and Andrew Har before they made the trip down to Tampa. And I remember Boone saying that he felt as if he's going to really benefit from having sort of like an 11-man rotation alluding to DJ LeMayhew and having him, and and when Didi comes back, sort of having a rotation of guys to kind of play short second and mm-hmm. third. So I sort of tie a lot of Tulowitzki's uh, impending success this year to how Boone handles him and keeps him fresh and sort of maintain helps. I think he can help maintain that adrenaline by handling him in the proper way. I don't think we're going to see him play shortstop on a everyday basis. So that'll be interesting yeah. to monitor. And, and how do you how do you see LeMahieu? How's he how's he fit in so far? You know, how do you see his value sort of mixing in with this current group? Yeah, I mean that that value certainly is going to be there um, uh, from uh, from that defensive standpoint, as you were just mentioning. But even from the offensive standpoint too, I mean, this is a guy who's who's won a batting title. You know, this is a guy who right. can put uh, put good wood uh, to the baseball. Um, you know, so I, I think that we're going to see uh, we're, we're going to see him contribute and kind of you know I I I, I almost picture Neil Walker from last year because Walker was just that do it everything utility player i mean you could plug him into the outfield you could plug him first second third you know you could plug neil walker pretty much anywhere you're going to get the job done lemayhew may not play quite as many positions uh, but he still is kind of going to be that utility type player and neil walker last year you know he had so many clutch hits you know there were moments where that's he true went through some pretty rough uh, rough slumps you know don't get me wrong i'm not gonna ignore that but he did have uh, uh, you know, uh, timely hits in, I can, I can remember a game at, at Houston last year, early in the year where he had a timely hit that, that helped them win that game. He had, uh, timely hits down the stretch, uh, you know, as they went into the postseason, a couple of timely home runs. I remember a big home run, I believe against Detroit, uh, uh, one, one night, uh, in a key second half game last year. So, so we, we, you know, we, we've seen, uh, we, we've seen some of that from, from Walker, but in LeMahieu, you're talking about a guy who, at least historically, has better contact numbers, has better uh, uh, chances of doing damage when, when he's in the batter's box. Of course, the thing is, is how much damage will he do in such a reserve type role, um, you know, in that kind of pinch hitter type role or, you know, that coming into the sixth inning and playing the last couple of innings kind of role, you know, how, how much damage will he really do offensively? We'll see. Uh, but defensively, um, uh, certainly will, will, uh, will maybe clean up any types of miscues that you may see at third base. If Andujar isn't quite where the Yankees hope that he is, uh, you know, I, I think having the chance to move LeMahieu over there, uh, at times will kind of help ameliorate some of those uh issues that that could still pop up mm-hmm. um second base it's just going to give glaber torres some time to get some days off as well give him opportunities to move over to short to give tulowitzki some days off so so really i mean there, there's so many benefits to having a player like lemayhew um and it's not just the fact that he's a good defender can make good contact isn't going to strike out a whole lot um you know this is a guy who especially if there's runners on base i mean he could, he could put the ball you know he's going to put the ball in play 
um, you know, you can put on hit hit and run situations. You can, you know, uh, you, you can be so much more flexible offensively with a guy like this, especially late in, in, in late in game situations. And then also just knowing that you can kind of give the rest of your, uh, you know, some of your other key players in the middle infield that you can give them some of those breaks. I think that's going to go a long way too. So there's there, there's so many ways that you can go with this guy, and it's uh like you said, it's good on the Yankees to have him. Yeah, tremendous. And flexibility is his value for sure. I mean, in the last three, four years, you know, he's flirted with 200 hits in a season. You know, he's he's been averaging about 30 doubles a season for the past three years. And then on the flip side, yeah, if you want to move Glaber over to short to give Tulo uh, some time off and you insert LeMayhew at second base, he was 993 fielding percentage last year, gold glove winning year. And career-wise, he, 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 ta- he comes in at around 990 fielding percentage as a second baseman. So his value will most certainly be with his flexibility. Definitely a good guy to have. And, and speaking of uh, a really good guy to have is somebody who couldn't have been higher on the Yankees charts, and he's definitely... Definitely slid down uh, in part to some injuries, the most notably the two uh, groin injury stints that landed him on the, I guess not the disabled list, the injured list now. Gary Sanchez we're talking about, of course. So what's the stability look like at catcher? He homered on, on Sunday's game, one of the home runs. I'm just wondering, you know, you still have Austin Romine in the wings who had really a career year in many ways last year, and there's no way to guarantee that he'll be able to do that again if need be. Kyle Higashioka is also on the depth chart, and he's got a very good bat and a promising future. But overall, this three and maybe others that I'm not mentioning, what do you see as, uh, you know, stability-wise at catcher? Yeah, and then, yeah, you got uh, Ryan LeVarne way back there as well. Oh, right. Man, he is, he is hit really well in, in spring at least uh just looking at some of his batting practice and and other things um but uh but but as far as the, those frontline guys yeah you know you're talking about uh gary sanchez who is still coming off that that offseason sh- shoulder surgery and even aaron judge said today of course judge coming off uh his own shoulder surgery last year uh you know so he he knows what it's like to have to to bounce back from that um you know, from a, at least from a similar procedure, uh, you know, he said, hey, look, you know, I know that that he's still probably experiencing some of that, that Sanchez is still kind of probably uh, just getting over a few of those issues uh, from the rehab and that it might be a little slow to start for him. But he's going to turn it on. You know that he's going to be at, at, a, at a much healthier spot than he was last year. And right now, you know, I, I, I think that's what we're seeing, you know, at least again, just looking at what I've seen in batting practice, some of the swings I've seen uh, Sanchez take uh, in just a couple of games. I mean, he just started playing this past weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can tell that he is, uh, that he's, that he's at least he's swinging with authority and he's swinging uh, in a way that he's, you know, of course, a lot of what he's done is pull balls uh, here these first couple of days, but it's worked out. You know, he showcased the power, sneaking a nice line drive just inside the left field foul pole for a home run uh, in Sunday's game. And uh, and then behind the plate, you know, there was one moment during the game where there was a, a low pitch in the dirt, and I'm, I'm blanking on who's, who was pitching. I think it was Tanaka who thing. made his debut to, uh, Sunday. It, Is that right? It, it, well, Tanaka started. It may have been Tanaka. It may have also been uh, uh, one of the relievers, like uh, like Jonathan Maybe. Holder or, or or Zach Burton. I'm not. I can't. I can't call exactly which pitcher was on the mound. But there was a pitch in the dirt that you know it seemed like last year or maybe even in other years. May have gotten by Gary Sanchez, or oh. might have skipped up the line a little bit, 
he blocked it very well. He kept it in front of him. A runner actually advanced on the play. Uh, the runner took off, and he, you know, they just weren't quite able to throw him out at the base. Um, but it stayed but, in front of him or, or to the side of him, right? And it was credited a wild pitch, which is what it was. It was on the pitcher. It had nothing to do with the pass ball situation. So um, I, I just highlight that moment to say he seems like he's – he he's he truly has worked on his blocking again this is just spring training it's very early in the year you know we'll let's check back in in august and see how many pass balls he has right. but for right now um for right now he, he he at least looks like that work that he put in the offseason is paying off and again you know it's going to be kind of slow for him early you know in the early stages getting going uh, uh, with that shoulder, but I, I do believe that we're going to see a much different Gary Sanchez. Uh, you know, I wrote something uh, a couple weeks ago about, hey, this could be an MVP kind of year or it could be a bust kind of year for Gary Sanchez. I don't really think there's going to be a whole lot of middle ground, um, but I, I'm actually more leaning towards this is going to be a breakout year for him. I Well, not breakout. He's already had that kind of year, but I think we're going to see him uh, uh, uh I, th- I think we're going to see him gravitate a little bit more towards that kind of performance this year than what we saw last year. Um, we'll see, you know, uh, anything can happen as far as the other two guys, you know, uh, Austin Romine is to me, he's looked very impressive uh, throughout this spring. I mean, he has been hitting the ball. I feel like uh, harder uh, is that than right? he has before. I mean, he's been driving the ball uh, throughout BPs and, and some other scenarios. We haven't seen him hit too often in games. I feel like I've seen uh, Cal Higashioka a lot more than Romine this year. Um, Who's but, been lacing the ball yeah. his own right, but Austin and, and, Romine yeah, has been a silent Kyle hero. Yeah, and you know, uh, Kyle is a guy that, that, of course, when he came in last year, he was he was uh, hitting long. I mean, he hit those long home runs against the Red Sox. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, there at the start of uh, at the start of his uh, his time uh, in the league last year. So, so yeah, we're, we'll we'll I, I think we're going to see uh, the catcher position be a, a spot of stability in some ways this year. Again, the pass balls are 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 a little bit of an unknown when it comes to Gary Sanchez, but. I still believe that he's going to be better in that regard this year. And if he is, I think you can truly say the catching position is a spot of stability. I don't think uh, there's going to be any kind of drop off. Say if he were to have to, if he, if, if he were to have to sit for any, in any extended amount of time this year, I don't think there's going to be much drop off because again, Romine has looked very impressive. And I think for Romine, it's kind of one of these things that, he really wants to prove that he can be the go-to guy. That um, that yeah, Gary Sanchez may be the future, but for right now, he can be that guy because he he did it a lot last year. So um, yeah, so I think Romine's going to be okay. And then Higashioka, um, you know, although he is kind of the odd man out in this scenario, he still is a very valued uh, 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 piece at that position. And uh, you know, I think the Yankees are also impressed with what they've seen from him so far. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely made the most of his time, and and Romine, like I said, has really been a silent hero. I'm not trying to put him up on some sort of level as far as his his war and his value being off the charts, but he, he definitely <laughs> hasn't lost games for the Yankees, and he's made a great contribution. But yeah, 18 pass balls is something that Yankees fans have not forgotten and won't soon forget, yeah. so I feel like the magnifying glass will more heavily be on Sanchez's uh, defensive efforts this year. 
year. So it's encouraging yeah. to see him stop balls uh, in front of him. Because listen, especially as starters get knocked out of the games, if Gary Sanchez is behind the plate, bullpen guys are going to have to go into the dirt. They're going to have to throw pitches low and waste pitches and change the eye line. And he has to show an ability. Yeah. And it's encouraging to hear that, that you think that this is not going to be the right breakout is not the right word, but yes. that he's going to keep trending or he's going to trend in the other direction. Trend back, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, well, and I'll, I'll say real quick too, on the, 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 uh, the pitches in the dirt and that kind of thing. I, I, I can't remember the full uh, data because I'm speaking off the top of my head right now, but I remember at the end of last year, as I was, uh, you know, writing about all the past balls that he had had, uh, I, I was looking at some of these advanced stats that we have with ESPN stats and info, and it was something to the effect of uh, for, catcher, for, um, for catchers in Major League Baseball last year, Sanchez had the, one of the highest percentage of, of pitches that move. You know, he was catching uh, some oh, of the highest percentage of, of, of splitters and uh, sinkers and sliders. I believe those are the, the, the main three, actually. Sinkers, splitters, and sliders. Huh. And it makes sense when you think about you got Masahiro Tanaka, who, who's, who obviously does that, who, who has that, that split. You think of um, uh, Zach Britton, who's always going to be going down in the dirt. And when Hap uh, came over and, you know, and Chapman, those guys in, have that too. Exactly, you know, and so, and maybe even that, I guess the changeup was probably another pitch that uh, that he he registered fairly highly as far as having to receive. It, it was CC Sabathia relies heavily on that CC, pitch. Exactly, sure. you know, it was it was uh, it was one of those things where it's like, look, you're not going to excuse Gary Sanchez for letting the ball get by him, but you do have to recognize that he is he is dealing with some challenge, and that challenge is he's got a lot of balls that are that are dropping into the dirt hmm. and um you know and so again that also makes it more important for him to make sure that he is stopping everything that he is keeping in front but uh but it was just a way to highlight that um that yeah that he that he's he uh you know he's dealing with a very unique pitching staff in that regard yeah the last two years 2018 2017 he is registered in the top 10 for errors committed at catcher so Obviously, that's a trend he would love to break and fans would love to see broken as well. But let's move over to the staff that he'll be catching. CeCe's coming back. Hap is coming back. Severino and Tanaka are both back. And then you add in James Paxton. And I don't want people to forget about Jordan Montgomery, who's also recovering from Tommy John surgery, who the Yankees should expect to receive I would think somewhere around or after the All-Star break, which could be a very interesting sort of pickup without necessarily picking someone up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He could be the, in fact, that's, that's something else I wrote uh, at the start of spring training, that he is kind of banking on being that that Jay Happ for them this year, that, that second half edition that could be, um, you know, truly important in, in the event that the Yankees you know, need an extra, an extra arm at that point of the year. And, and, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, again, he was a, a pitcher that was doing just fine when he, when he, uh, had to go and disable this last year, he started off really strong. Uh, it seemed like, uh, you know, it seemed like he, he, I think the most he gave up was maybe three runs in a game, maybe, maybe even just two. Um, but he was, he was managing things pretty well, uh, through his first couple of starts. And then of course, 
ends up having that UCL injury there in Houston and then undergoing right. Tommy John surgery. And, um, you know, uh, we will, we'll see exactly how his recovery goes. When I talked to him at the beginning of the year, uh, he did basically say that he was in a phase where, um, where he still was throwing on flat ground, but he was building up his pitches. He was building up his distance and eventually he'll get to the point where he's throwing, you know, X number of balls. I think 50, 50 uh, throws from like 125 feet. And by that point, I think he'll be ready to get onto a mound that who knows when that could come. That could be uh, maybe a little closer to April and, and May before that actually happens. But at okay. that point you'll start to see his recovery really ramp up and, you know, he's hopeful. He believes that it's going to be somewhere maybe just after the all-star break when he comes back. And, and if so, I mean, yeah, you know, you're talking about essentially a six starter now, um, yeah. where, uh, where, especially if, if at that point in the year, you want to start giving CC Sabathia a little bit more of a breather, uh, because, because he is older, um, and, and everything that he's got going on. Um, you know, now you, you've got a lefty who can fill that role, who can fill that void. Um, you know, I still would, would probably imagine that if the Yankees aren't quite getting the type of pitching and maybe if there's an injury or so here or there, they're not quite getting what they want. Uh, as we get going into the second half, I could, I could certainly still see them bringing in a pitcher by the trade deadline. Um, but that being said, you know, they've got to feel good about the fact that they're bringing back a guy in half who was so, uh, just so sharp for them, who was so strong, who, who seemed uh, so locked in from the word jump last year. You yeah, got, really. Obviously, you know, Luis Severino, uh, who has been, uh, you know, who has been your ace. You know, we'll see if he truly has an ace-like performance uh, all of this, this season. He certainly started last season that way. Um, didn't finish it that way, but certainly started that way. Um, you know, and then, of course, you know, you've got a guy in Paxton who who is a strikeout king. Uh, you know, you've got... Uh, uh, you know, uh, that bullpen that, uh, that is also going to kind of, uh, absorb some, some, you know, some, some things for the, for the stars as well. You know, the starters aren't going to have to be required to go eight, nine, even seven innings, um, on a regular basis. You know, if they can get through four handed to the bullpen on a very consistent basis, things are going to be okay for the Yankees because that bullpen is so strong. So I, I think you're going to see a lot, you're going to see fresher starters this year. And I think that, um, that again, having, uh, having some of the, the arms that they do have like Paxton, uh, you know, like Hap, like Severino, like Tanaka, um, you know, and then of course, CC and, and what he has been able to do these last couple of years. Again, he still has won games. He hasn't obviously won the way that he used to, but he still won games. Um, you know, I, I, I think the Yankees are, are feeling pretty set with what this rotation can do. But again, like I said, I, I could certainly see a scenario where down the line, maybe they do want to add another starter. Um, you know, they are, of course, going to look at what they have as well. Uh, Jonathan Loisaga, who was so strong when he came in, is basically a, a spot six starter uh, last year. You know, I would imagine that he would be in that mix as well this year. Right. Domingo, and Domingo Herman could also oh, be man, another one, right? Had, exactly. He had such moments last year. Um, I could see him in that mix. And then, you know, Michael King is a guy who they, they really want to, to groom into some of that role. Uh, but again, he, he began this spring hurt. That's going to kind of slow him down, set him back a little bit. 
but who knows, maybe we'll see him grow into some of that as well. They're still high on Luis Sessa. Um, you know, they're also high on Chance Adams still. So those are two other pitchers who could factor into that uh, that that spot as well. Yeah, those two last guys you mentioned can, have had some spot starts for them last year. And so they could prove to have some value in that role again. And on paper, the bullpen, like you said, it's obviously, you know, headlined by, you know, the addition of Adam Adovino local kid and and just a sort of an elastic arm you know he he throws fire but also has a wicked slider from videotape that we've all seen and then Batances is still there at the back end Chapman Aroldis Chapman is still there and then you got guys like Chad Green, Chase Adams, Zach Britton, who can sort of give you length. I, I laughed to myself. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I'm a little slow to come around to the modernization, specifically as it relates to pitching, where you I think you said something, and you're not wrong. You know, where starters go four innings, five innings, and then you throw in these guys. It's encouraging that the Yankees can do that, but... I, I guess I'm still cut from an older cloth where I, I'd like to see seven innings or, or at least, you know, not not have a uh, this overblown congratulations when someone goes seven innings. But that's yeah. uh, that's a conversation for another podcast, I guess. But it's, it's funny also that the balance of the Yankees pitching, they have more lefty starters than righty starters now. CC Happ, yeah. and Paxton, all big lefties. And then you got Severino and Masahiro Tanaka holding down the righties. So it's uh it's a good balance overall i think and i was thinking about it from sort of a a macro level the yankees ultimately there was an eight game difference right that separated the yankees from the red sox in 2018 albeit that the red sox had an absolutely historical season it was an eight game difference so with everything considered that we've talked about do you feel as if collectively they have brought in and improved enough to eliminate an eight game difference gap or eclipse that gap? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think that I, I think in some ways they have, um, you know, of course, yeah. Getting one extra big bat probably really would have helped. Uh, I'm, I'm still not sold that Bryce Harper would have been that bat. Uh, clearly the Yankees were never sold <laughs> that he would have been that bat. Um, 330 million. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. Actually, it's you the know, years that bother me more than the amount of money. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can see that too. Um, I, I would also say, um, you know, Machado. Machado certainly, I, I thought could have fit that bill uh, before Tulowitzki entered the picture. But you know, as we discussed a little bit ago, Tulowitzki is looking the part right now. And if uh, you know, if this all pans out by season's end with him, that's going to really look like a genius signing. And and yeah, league minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And so for that reason, at this stage, as I kind of look at the whole situation, I got to say that, uh, that, yeah, I believe the Yankees are uh, are are in a spot right now where they improved. And at the same time, I'm not sure that the Red Sox are in a position where they improved. You know, I I think the Red Sox uh, uh, obviously still have the position players. They're still very good. Uh, you know, defensively, offensively, but that bullpen, which was so atrocious last year, may have gotten worse. Um, yeah, Kimbrel's still hanging. He, he's still without a team right now. Yeah, you know, um, the starting rotation uh, is is solid. It's good. It's it's very very good, in fact. But at the same time, are you still going to be able to get some of the kind of performances, particularly late in the year, down the stretch, 
that you got from, um, you know, from some of those key pieces, especially I'm thinking Chris Sale, who was so banged up, so beat up and was, you know, kind of on and off and on and off again. I, I think had the Yankees been a little bit more in the picture by the end of the year, he's pitching a lot more. He's playing a lot more late in the year. And that probably affects him going into the postseason. And, you know, then uh, who knows what, what, what could happen. But uh, all of that being said, I think right now on paper, uh, yes, I do believe the Yankees have made enough, made up enough ground that they could catch the Red Sox. Are they the better team? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I still think that, I, well, again, I thought at this at this stage last year, I thought both of those teams were in a neck and neck race, and we were going to have a neck and neck race all the way to the end of the year. Yeah. Um, obviously, that didn't play out that way. That way, I'm not sure if it's going to play out that way again this year. Um, you know, we may not. We may have one team that runs away with it again this year, but I, I like to think that these two teams on paper are are pretty close. Are very. Uh, very competitive. The problem is, again, for the Red Sox, I think that the Yankees have made up that ground. I think the moves that they made, um, you know, are certainly enough that they're going to be contending a lot better this year with the world champs than they did last year. Yeah, I mean, you can't say, I guess, Kimbrell has been completely lost, but it, it doesn't seem as if he's going to return there. And they also, the, uh, the Red Sox uh, had also lost Joe Kelly. Don't forget, he went to the Dodgers yeah. and he was a huge part of their bullpen. So, you know, from that point of view of the Yankees building their bullpen and the Red Sox losing theirs and with there being such an emphasis on it, who knows if you can put a tangible number of eight games on it, but I think there's been at least a few games of a swing in balance there. And then I also forgot to mention, after Sunday's game, you had two guys come up to you. Maybe you've heard of them, Aaron Judge and Brett Gardner, both saying, what, now what did they tell you exactly? Because I thought this was pretty funny. Uh, well, well, I mean, it was in the scrum. There were other reporters, but they uh, they basically said, you know, look, you know, Aaron, or excuse me, Brett, first was Brett Gardner saying, um, yeah, I totally believe that this team can hit more home runs next year, or this season, I should say, than it did last year. <laughs> and you got to remember... <laughs> This is a team that just set the major league record for single season home runs with 267 home runs last year. I mean, and he says, we're going to hit more this year. And then Aaron Judge comes back when you go over and talk to him. He says, absolutely. You know, we are a, t- a team that's, that's got the, the bodies. You know, we've got the horses. We're a team that as soon as you touch it, you know, the ball is going to possibly go out. Yeah, we're going to we're going to break that record again this year. And remember last year. The, the one of the biggest numbers that you know people were were curious about was 300 you know did the Yankees have enough in them to hit 300 home runs last year and uh, of course they uh, they ultimately did not but as the players are quick to remind you remember judge was gone for two months of the year last year Gary Sanchez was on and off the disabled list and just wasn't quite himself Greg Bird uh, never really materialized right. last year so when you Aaron Hicks that, twenty you know, missed 20, 20, 25 games or so. Yeah, Aaron Hicks missed a few games and still almost hit thirty home runs. And he even told me earlier this uh, this spring that his his goal this year is to hit thirty. I, I think he could he could get at least pretty close to it, if not over that. Um, and then uh, you know, and then Gardner had a down year as far as his power production, but he's looking like at least right now, like he could kind of take that uptick back. Hey, um, two home runs know. on Sunday. I mean, was that a was that a direct? That's about as direct a message to Clint Frazier <laughs> and Aaron Boone as it gets, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, and then you've got uh, you've got Giancarlo Stanton was just in his first year in the Bronx, and of course he had those uh, those early growing pains, and then began to kind of hit his stride. But 
you know, I, I don't see why it's not impossible for these guys to hit more than 267 home runs this year. I, I certainly think it's in the realm of possibility just when you look at the, the players on the bench alone. But um, yeah. that being said, you know, that's that that would be quite a feat if they were to do it. Um, there was some tongue in cheek with that, you know, uh, <laughs> excuse me. I definitely think that Gardner was um, was was still very excited about the two home runs that he hit and was very uh, uh, open to saying, hey, you know, I'm going to talk about home runs right now. And I'm going to talk about the big guys on the team. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, but that that all being said, um, uh, certainly uh, if the Yankees do that. Um, you know, that's, that's going to raise a lot of eyebrows and, and, you know, I don't think it'll necessarily surprise too many people, uh, just because we saw what they did last year and you've got, you know, Miguel Andujar, you've got Glaber Torres, two young players who can certainly, uh, give you 20, 25 home runs, maybe even 30. Um, you've got Troy Tulowitzki who is looking like he could have a 30 home run season. So anything at this stage is well within the realm of possibility, but, as all the players have said, the key thing is that they all got to stay healthy. And, uh, you know, certainly if the Yankees have that health, um, you know, 300 might even be in the mix, too. It's both funny and, and very serious how, how 300 could be achieved. So whether or not it was tongue in cheek, you got to take it for what it is. And it's just funny how spring, you know, everything seems everything seems bright and optimistic, probably for all the teams across the league. But most definitely for the Yankees right now, everything seems very up and up. And I don't want to talk too much negativity, but what are you hearing, if anything, about Jacoby Ellsbury? He's been a guy who's been obviously uh, disappointing as far as the contract that was given and, and what has resulted since. But is he is he hanging around the complex this spring? It seems like he's off to another rocky start and injuries are, are, are still plaguing him. What are you seeing? Have you spoken to him? Is he getting team support or is he more or less kind of a, a forgotten man? What are you hearing about that? Yeah, well, for right now, he is he's still not at the uh, the, the Yankees complex that could change uh, fairly soon at some point in the next you know week or two. Maybe we'll we'll hear a little bit more. But but uh, the Yankees decided to, to begin spring with Ellsbury uh, in Arizona. He, so he's been uh, back home um, uh, training there and and. Um, and continuing to go through his rehab from the plantar fasciitis issue that he's dealing with and the hip issues that he's, that he, that kind of began that. Um, and it was just one of those things where they sat down with him and he said, look, I, I feel more comfortable staying in, in Arizona. They have a, they have one of their assistant trainers who's actually out there working with him. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, and so they, he liked the facility that he was at. It just seemed like it might've been a little too cumbersome to bring him to Tampa a brand new facility, brand new uh, people that he'd be working with, and um, like I said, you know, they're they're keeping an eye on him, and they're hoping that at some point here in the next week or two that they'll get a better read of of wh- when he'll be able to um, when he'll be able to come uh, over to Tampa and begin his work from here. But um, you know, but again, for now, he's he's still doing that work out there. He has begun running, uh, uh, you know, without just the the uh the body weight treadmill i mean he's actually able to to get out and uh and do some of that now so that's obviously a promising step for him but um it's one of those things where the yankees are continuing to just be patient with it i think uh at this stage that's all they can do you know they know that they don't necessarily have any suitors um 
who uh, who they could work anything out with yeah. uh, for for Ellsbury, but also they uh, yeah they they they've just got to kind of let 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 it be what it is, and um, you know and 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 they're they're biting that bullet so to speak, but mm-hmm. but we'll see you know if if he's able to get to some type of uh, uh, situation uh, where he's healthy enough to to compete this year, we'll you know we'll see if he's able to kind of crack this rotation but the way the Yankees have things set up right now between you know Judge and, and right Hicks and center uh Gardner and left or Frazier and left and you know and, and Giancarlo Stanton in the mix as well yeah they're and, stacked um, and and they're they're pretty they're pretty loaded there at the outfield position you know and then they still have a guy like Esteban Floreal who they're they're very high on um he's raw but he's fun to watch season. yeah Exactly. At some point in the season, he could factor into the rotation. You never know. So they, uh, so yeah, it could be uh, it could be quite the the challenge and the climb for for Ellsbury to 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 crack into things. Yeah, injuries you could never tell. That's the um, you know I guess that's what makes sort of the whole prognosticating game fun. So who knows if Jacoby will ever be roaming the outfields of Yankee Stadium? You know, over the next two years, it would be nice just to see what he still has, but it hasn't really seemed to materialize for him, which has really been Aaron Hicks's gain, and uh, which is evident in the new contract that they gave him. Which was definitely well deserved. What yeah. uh, what about Didi? What are you seeing there? Lastly, yeah, you know, so so Didi Gregorius is um, is still you know, just kind of going through his rehab for the from the Tommy John surgery, and um, he's throwing and know, running and taking ground balls. I think right. Yeah, he's he's throwing, uh, taking ground balls. He can he can pretty much do everything. He's actually even hitting now too, but the hitting is with one hand. He's not able to actually use both hands. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, because he's because he's still well, and it's just T work at this stage. It's not like he's in the batting cage, uh, taking you know uh, hitting <laughs> pitches or anything. Um, of course, he he is ready to start getting a little closer to that but just the the stage of rehab he's not quite there um you know you're still looking at sometime this summer the yankees don't have a firm date yet on on when his return could be but um you know but the the fact that we have seen him at least out and we've seen him throwing a little bit uh and actually throwing like it doesn't seem like he has any kind of issue uh that seem that seems to indicate that maybe he is trending in a in a good way and you know, who knows, maybe by by middle of May, you know, we're getting a little more information on, you know, could a could a May return happen or could a June return happen? Uh, you know, I, I think we're going to we're going to see a little bit more and learn a little bit more about Didi's recovery once we get into the regular season. And then I think, again, once we kind of get towards the end of April, I think we'll start to get a clearer picture of uh, of of what he'll be able to do when he'll be able to do it. And, uh, you know, when, and what the rehab, as far as rehab games, what that rehab, uh, that phase of his rehab process will look like. Yeah, it's a different injury altogether, but we all remember the injury that Didi Gregorius suffered at the World Baseball Classic, and he bounced back, I think, within a month. He missed the first month of that season, the uh, 2017 yeah. season it was. So, you know, we don't know too much about him as far as how he recovers from injury, which is probably a good thing, but he still has youth on his side, and it's probably a safe move for the Yankees to keep a pretty wide window for his return, but he'll certainly be welcome back. 
a lot of exciting things. I think we've run down, we've run through pretty much everything Yankees. It sounds like it's been, you know, a very exciting and, and busy first couple of weeks of spring training. I know you have a couple more to go. March 28th is when the Yankees open up against the Baltimore Orioles at home. How about you personally? Are you ready for another 162, <laughs> another go around? I'm, I'm ready. I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. This is, uh, this kind of all came sort of quickly uh it just seems like the off season it, it, at times the off season felt like it was dragging like it took forever i'm like all right i'm ready to get back to the field I'm ready for <laughs> something but um but in, in a weird way you looked up you blinked and here we are we're right back here it seems like i was just here just a couple months ago for spring training <laughs> um so yeah i'm i'm ready to go in fact i was just saying to someone today i'm i'm ready to uh to to kind of get the real thing going i feel like i've had enough of the, the the pretend uh, if you will with spring training let's get to the real thing so i'm certainly looking forward to, to march 28th yeah i think every fan would probably echo that myself included can't wait for the season to start to see what these guys are really doing when it counts and it's going to be another exciting year so we'll definitely follow along with you i appreciate you coming on and and thanks for taking some time coley absolutely anytime man my thanks to Coley for joining me and providing great insights into how spring training is going, as well as some key scenarios to keep an eye on. The New York Yankees open up their 2019 season on March 28th against the Baltimore Orioles from the stadium in the Bronx. So be sure to follow Coley on Twitter, at Coley Harvey, and I'll definitely aim to have him back on with me throughout the season. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at BenjaminBlock21, or reach out to me via my website, BenjaminJBlock.com. Until next time, this has been Benjamin Block. Thanks for listening.